Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 6 in your Bibles this morning as we conclude. Romans chapter 6. It's glorious music this morning. It's a tremendous blessing to my heart, encouraging your heart, I, I assume. It is an honor and a delight to have you here with your families today, and uh, it is an honor to greet guests as they came. Um, there are fewer greater joys in, in our week or our month or our year than being able to um, be with God's people and meet their friends and family, for sure. I thank you for your patience with the uh, spatial issues this morning, uh, but uh, it's kind of nice to be crowded, overcrowded. We actually have two other rooms that are one's full and one's filling up uh, in the other part of the building, so I'd like to publicly look into the camera and say thank you to all those people who are in those rooms and all those who are visiting us uh, via live stream this morning, even some folks from Germany uh, at this hour, uh, as well as some other folks too. But hey, you may not know this, but we're in a building program here. So who knows, by some act of God's miraculous hand, we might have a bigger auditorium next year this time. Amen. Almost a lot of amens with that. <laughs> Maybe two years, right? Whatever his hand's willing to do, I, I'm thinking that we could fill it up, even if it was built next year. Oh, what a great blessing that would be. For sure. The theme in your folder this morning, as you see by the sermon announcement, is presenting ourselves alive unto God. Presenting ourselves alive unto God. Have you ever been sightseeing or maybe um, even at work? where you're only allowed to gain access into a place of importance or into a place of vocation by a proper ID. Um, I've told you before, my college ID, for some reason, 30 years later, I remember it. 498972. You know, your whole first year of college, you're not a person, you're just a number, right? You know that? Uh, and somewhere along your sophomore or junior year, uh, people start recognizing your face and associate your proper name. But for quite a while, I was just 498972. I couldn't register for classes without that ID. Uh, I wasn't allowed access to my dorm back in the old days without that ID. And uh, I never forgot it when I was hungry because I could only eat by showing that ID. Could you imagine just going up to the White House this afternoon, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, walking up to the access gate and say, I'd like to meet with the president. You think they'd let you in? I don't think so. When asked, do you have a previous appointment established by what congressman or what senator? And if that was the case, may I see your what? May I see your ID? 
May I see your ID? You may even work at a place of employment that requires a handprint scan or a fingerprint scan or maybe even a retinal scan to get into some pretty important places. Proper ID is necessary to see important people or to gain access to important places. I was on a flight recently and I was in coach. Six foot five doesn't fit in coach very well. Um, some of you understand what I'm saying. So I was in standing in line to board the plane. I was in a conversation with some folks in front of me, behind me, and I said, you know what, today, I think I'm going to self-identify as first class. <laughs> and they said, what? I was like, I'm not feeling coach today. I'm feeling pretty rich. I'm feeling pretty good. It's been a good day so far. I'm feeling first class today. So today, I'm first class. And they all laughed. So I got on the plane and I saw the flight attendant and I said, you know, I'm feeling first class today. <laughs> and she goes, well, you look first class, sir. <laughs> it wasn't a United flight. <laughs> that was not in my notes. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, ma'am, I, I have a coach ticket, but today I'm feeling like first class. And she laughed. And she said, can I see your ID? And that made me a little nervous because I thought I was going to get booted off the plane. <laughs> and she laughed, no, sir, I need your ID and I need to see your ticket if you're going to sit in first class. Well, of course, I ended up crunched in coach. <laughs> I didn't have a proper ID. Have you ever thought about what identification you would need to gain access to God. Someday we're all going to have the humble privilege or the sober reality of standing before God as Savior or as Judge. The Bible says to stand before Him as Savior and to be welcomed into his presence for eternity, you've got to have the proper ID. You've got to have the proper ID. It's a simple access. It's the world's most simple but yet noble access to infinite perfection. Into God's throne room. The Holy of Holies. The most inaccessible place in the universe. And there's only one form of approved ID. And the text that was read before you this morning by Dan Gray clearly describes that identification that's necessary to gain access to the presence of God for all of eternity. You know, Jesus said, I came to give life and to give life more abundantly. The wonderful reality of having the proper ID doesn't just gain access to God for all of eternity for you. But Jesus said you can have that access to his presence now. He said, I came to give life and life more abundantly now. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gains access to the Father but through me. And he begins to, in John 14, among other multiple texts in the Gospels, describe for us that he himself is the ID that you need to gain approval 
and access to the presence of God. He's your ID. In other words, your own fingerprint, your own retinal scan, your own license, whatever form of ID you have for any location, whether work or school, none of that is going to gain you access to God. Your resume, though replete with multiple degrees and many acts of philanthropy and faithful years of vocational service, your resume, the best of the best of resumes, along with your ID, will not gain you access to God because the Bible says that perfection is necessary. Jesus said in Matthew 5, to those who were listening, he said, you must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Everyone within earshot of those words would immediately say, there's no way, there's no shot that I have at having access to God because I'm not perfect. Folks, that's why Jesus said, you have to have me. You have to have Christ who lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death, and experienced a glorious resurrection. Do you understand that? You have to have his perfect life to gain access to perfection. It's actually quite simple. It's actually quite simple. The book of Romans describes for us from Romans chapter 3 and verse 20 all the way to the beginning of Romans chapter 6. The first aspect of proper spiritual ID you need to gain access to the Father. You see, your identification to gain access to the Father is very similar to your license. It has a front and has a back. On the front, you have all the necessary information, including your picture. But on the back, there's that black stripe, right? From what I'm told, that black stripe is everything about Tim Potter. It's kind of spooky, kind of intimidating. But somehow, a policeman's able to scan that and know just about everything about this guy. Our spiritual ID, in order to gain access to God, is kind of two-sided. It's the same ID, but has two aspects. Romans 3, 20, through the end of chapter 5, tells us that the first side of that proper ID word on it. It's the word justification. And all that simply means is this, folks. When you come to claim Jesus Christ as your perfection, your alien perfection that you need to stand before God, are you with me? God doesn't make you righteous and perfect. He declares you righteous and perfect. He doesn't make you perfect. He declares you perfect. That's side one of your ID. Chapter 6 in the book of Romans describes for us side 2. And again, side 2, like side 1, has one word on it. And it's a big word just like justification. It's sanctification. Where God doesn't make you holy, He declares you sinless. He declares you perfect, side A, and side B, flip it over, he declares you sinless. Not because you are, but because his son is. And when you trust his son, you get that holiness and that righteousness that's not yours. 
And in his son, you have the proper ID to gain access to God. Have you been declared righteous, perfect in Jesus Christ? Have you been declared sinless, holy in Jesus Christ? Well, the Bible says if you've turned from yourself and your sin and placed your faith in Christ, you remember that moment, that release from the bondage of living in habitual sin. You remember that moment that God made you alive in Jesus Christ. And your life was forever changed. But quite possibly this morning, you still need proper ID to gain access to the presence of God. And for the last couple minutes, I'd like to share with you how you can know, realize, and obtain that proper ID. All right. Look with me at the book of Romans, chapter 6, as you're already turned there. And I'd like to point out for you three simple words. And I'm going to point out to you two simple sections. And we're going to make understanding of this ID and the obtaining of this ID so simple, God willing, that everyone in the room, man, woman, or child, can understand how to obtain it. Look with me, if you will, at chapter 6 and verse number 3. The first word I'd like you to see is mentioned several times. Or do you not know? Do you not know? Verse 3. Now go down to the first word of verse 6. Is the word knowing. Knowing this. And go down to the first word of verse 9. Again, we find the word knowing. There's something here, folks, that you have to know. There's something that you have to um, understand and your cognitive abilities, and we'll describe that in just a moment. Look at the second word I'd like you to become familiar with in this text. The third word of verse 11. Even so, consider. Even so, consider. That's the word. Consider. And then the third word, if you will, go down to verse 13, and it's mentioned twice. It says, and do not go on presenting your members or your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but, here's the second time it's used, but present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead. There's our theme for this morning. Presenting ourselves alive unto God. Now, if you want to understand the whole of the chapter Let's look at how it's divided. It's divided by two questions. Two questions this morning. Look with me at verse number one. The first section of this chapter, which just has two sections to it. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? That's question number one. And you know, he answers that question by utilizing these three words. No, consider and present. No, consider, and present. The second and final section of chapter 6, we see another question in verse 15. If I could draw your attention to verse 15, it says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? And of course, the answer is similar to the first question in verse 1. God forbid, and here may it never be. 
So remember, this is a chapter that's the second side of the ID card. It's holiness. It's sinlessness. You say, well, Pastor Tim, I'm a sinner. I know. I know. But when you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you surrender your life to him, God grants you. Remember, he declares you sinless. That doesn't mean that you are. He declares you sinless. Just like the first side of the ID, he declares you righteous. So how do I gain this sinless status? How do I get this ID? Go with me to verse 3 now. Okay? And you may see this in your folder if you don't have a Bible with you because it was read earlier. Verse 3 says, Or do you not know, here's the first time that word is used, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be known in the likeness of his resurrection. Remember, which raises us to life, the newness of life. And then he says this, knowing this, there's the word again, that our old self was put to death, was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be what? The grammar here says literally set aside. It does not have power over us anymore. It's literally we're able to set it aside. It may influence us from time to time, but it no longer has dominion over us. It's set aside. So that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. And he continues on with this death, burial, resurrection language. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing, see that emphasis on know, you've got to know this. If you're getting access to the most unique and beautiful place in all the universe, a sinless state of perfection, and the presence of the creator himself, you've got to know. You've got to know these things. This is the ID. These are aspects to your ID. Right? Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God, even so. There's that second word. Now that you know everything that you have to know about his death, burial, and resurrection, even so, consider, reckon, declare yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And as a result, you'll be able to present yourselves alive unto God when you see him. Now, go back to verse 3. There's a really interesting word here that's often misunderstood in our English language. It says this, or do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus? And we've been baptized into his death. Can I tell you what the word baptism primarily means? It means to identify. It means ID, identification. Okay? 
in our religious world, what baptism meant for many of us was the washing away of our sin. But baptism is, baptism is never once used like that in the Bible. Baptism was never used in the Bible one time as an agent to cleansing us from our sins. Baptism is an act of identification. So for those of you that go to grace, you'll understand this. After you trust Jesus as your Savior, you want to obey the Lord in baptism. Baptism doesn't save you. You're getting baptized to tell everyone in the congregation that you've identified with someone and what he's done. So follow along with me as we close. Behind us is our baptismal tank. When folks get in that baptism tank to be immersed into water and to brought back up, they're saying publicly to everyone, I am saying publicly something that's already been transacted, not transferred, transacted in my heart. I'm telling you publicly what's already happened in here. I identified with Jesus Christ, his sufficient life, his sufficient death, his burial, and his glorious resurrection. And when I identified with him, he changed me. He gloriously changed me. And how do I know this? Not just because of what I know, but I was able to consider myself dead to a sinful lifestyle. And now I have something I never had before. I'm going to be able to present myself not dead to sin before God, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. I've identified with him. Again, that baptism doesn't save. It's telling everyone who watches, I've already identified with a person. As a matter of fact, that's why the Bible says we, we baptize. Right? Standing up represents we're alive, but we're sinners. When we trust Christ as our Savior, we understand that we were buried with him. Why? Jesus died and was buried for your sin, right? That's the effect of your sin on the life of Jesus. We killed him. You and I killed him. But when we're raised up out of that water and we stand, we represent or we're identifying with Jesus Christ's resurrection. He rose from the grave to tell everyone that the grave could not hold him. Because the grave was only there because of the effects of sin. And only God can have power over the effects of sin. And when Jesus rose from the grave, according to the text, according to the glory of the Father, when you trust that Savior who's conquered the grave, you yourself, in Jesus Christ, conquer the effects of death Amen. in your own life. And you conquer the power of sin in your own life. The penalty and consequence of your sin is now gone. And someday, when we present ourselves alive unto God, we'll be free from the very presence of sin, all because of Jesus Christ. Now, depending on what you understand from this text, the word baptism is two different things here. The moment you trust Christ as your Savior, the Bible says the Spirit of God baptizes you into Jesus Christ. So here's you, here's Jesus Christ, and here's the Father. 
The only access to the Father is through an alien perfection. That's Jesus that you don't have. So when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ. And when you're baptized into Christ, therefore, you have access to the Father every day at any moment, now and for all of eternity. Amen. You can walk with God. So the moment you're born again, the moment you're saved... Something happens to you that you have no control over. The Spirit of God baptizes you into the Son. So from that point forward, when God looks at you, He no longer sees you. He only sees His Son, Jesus Christ. And that's why the text could say, know this, know this, know this, three times. Jesus, Jesus was buried and Jesus rose again. Though what? When you trust him, you own personally all three of those exclusive divine acts for yourself. For yourself. Because you own him who experienced all three. And now all three are yours in him. That's why Paul could say, we don't preach ourselves. There's nothing this pastor or this church can do to save you. We just preach Christ and Him crucified. That's why Paul could say in, in, in Galatians 6, I don't have anything to brag about. I don't have anything to boast about. But I can boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why you could say in Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ. When I owned him, I died with him. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So for those of us that know the Lord, that's why you can humbly agree with John the Baptist's statement at the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ when he said, when John the Baptist said, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. My friends, there's nothing that religion can teach you that would grant you this ID. Nothing. Only God, who is your creator, in his perfect son, the Lord Jesus Christ, could offer you proper identification to his presence. It's his presence. It's his son. You're his creation. And he sent his son to be slain for you. He was wounded for our transgressions. But yet with his stripes, we can be what? We can be healed. Do you have the proper ID? It's an exclusive pass to be sure. Not found in a person or a human work of goodness or philanthropy. Not found in a pastor, a priest, or a church. But only found 
in one perfect person who led one perfect life, who died your death, who experienced one exclusive glorious resurrection, demonstrating power not only over your sin, but over the sin of the whole world and its consequences. And you need the ID, who is Jesus Christ? You need him. Let's pray together.